0: So uh, we're doing a series of talks um, across the year, uh, which will be titled The Freedom in Christ, or Freedom in Christ for short. Um, and we're, we're talking about freedom that we can find through faith in Jesus Christ. And across the year, so we're doing three, tomorrow, next, tomorrow, next week will be number three. And then there'll be a gap uh, of a few months, and then we'll return, and we'll probably look at the same topic from a slightly different angle. Um, but we're looking at this idea of freedom in Jesus and, uh, and our tag, uh, our verse, if you like, that's, that's going to be our tagline is Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, where Paul writes, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by yoke of slavery. And we spoke last week about freedom, uh, as we will do this week. And at the end, we sort of said that it would be a good thing to do this week to stand in front of the mirror and just repeat the words of that verse. And I wonder if any of you have done it. Um, You don't have to tell me. But I think there's something quite powerful in saying out loud what's true and saying you're declaring to yourself, perhaps you're declaring to the darkness around you. This is true of me. I know when I have times of doubt, not so much now when I was first a Christian, it wouldn't be unusual to hear me in my mother's living room shouting out at the top of my voice, I know God loves me because Jesus died on the cross. And I'd say it out loud, verbalize it, because it's true. And I stand on those truths. And I encourage you, if you feel a lack of freedom, to say it out loud. It's for freedom that Christ has set me free. Do not be... Uh, Do not let myself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery, to declare the truths of God and start living in them, even if psychologically or emotionally you're not quite there, but go with what's true. Um, Human beings uh, are meant for freedom, aren't we? We're not good, we're not meant to be locked up, we're meant to be people of freedom, we're meant to be people who have uh, freedom to do and think and say uh, the things that we want to. Um, Shortly after World War II, Eleanor Roosevelt and some others put together the Universal Declaration of Human Rights um, and it was a list of articles and words that summed up the freedoms uh, and the privileges that should be true for every human being. Um, and after the horrors of World War II, it became a very important document. And uh, interestingly, we went to Salisbury at half-term and saw the Magna Carta. I'd never seen it before. And that even the Magna Carta, all those hundreds and hundreds of years ago, Influenced even the writing of that document. But it spoke of freedom. It speaks of freedom. It speaks of how people should be free to move about society without fear of uh, being hurt or attacked. And we think of different societies and cultures where, depending on color of skin or, or finances or where you're born, it can be dangerous to go to a different part of town. a freedom to be free and safe in society. It speaks of freedom of thought to be able to have an opinion and not be shouted down because you disagree with the majority. Uh, And we see in our current society even that freedom just beginning to erode. if you go against contemporary thought, especially online, oh my goodness, take cover. (laughs) Because we love to rage at anyone that dares disagree with the masses and the mass media. It speaks of uh, freedom of belief, the freedom to change your belief, the freedom to vote, to affect policies and governments, rightly so. And then finally, the freedom to be who who you are, to develop your personality, And so we're talking of freedom on a Sunday morning, but the freedom in Christ does swallow up all those freedoms written in that Universal Declaration of Human Rights because Christians should be concerned for all of those freedoms. We should be passionate about people freely able to move in their society, freely able to have an opinion. We should defend that right as Christians. We should stand up for that right. But the freedom in Christ we're speaking of is a different kind of freedom, a freedom from our sin. Our biggest problem is isn't our governments or our jobs. Our biggest problem is our sin. And we say this and we know this as Christians. Our biggest problem is a broken relationship with the king of kings. We are under his wrath. We are in the kingdom of darkness, the Bible says. And we need to be freed from that into his marvelous light, his love and his grace. And only through faith in Jesus' death and resurrection. Can you know true freedom from your sin? And the freedom that comes from a relationship with God through Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit is dynamic. It's a dynamic freedom that we're speaking about. A freedom that can be felt in your soul, in your spirit. A freedom that can be experienced even if you are wrapped up in chains. Last week we looked at Acts chapter 16, the story of Paul and Silas who have been arrested and put in the deepest, darkest cell in the prison. It was the darkest place. They had to bring lights in to light it up. And we're told shortly before the angel comes and takes their chains off, they're heard singing and praising and praying to God in the middle of a cell, pitch black and covered in chains. That's the kind of freedom that Christ brings. Not necessarily changing your circumstances immediately, but changing your heart and giving you a lightness of spirit. That's why we must preach the good news to people because their outward circumstances may not actually change this side of heaven but their soul can be saved and they can know joy unspeakable I had a, a most horrific um, reality check on Friday afternoon I drove through Harlow and um, Dean told me on Wednesday I think it was that people are being housed in Harlow in office box in office buildings um, around Harlow I had no idea, I sat to my shame, I had no idea um, and so, if you go to the dump, as you, if you're my age, you call it the dump. <laughs> that's a refuse centre, recycling centre now, isn't it? Uh, as you go around the road, you go over where the uh, car garages are, and you've got the Gregs and the, over there, and they've been in there. And the, and the road swings round to the right. The second factory, the second office block on there, it's called, it's called Templefield's House on the building, but I don't think it goes by that name. Uh, it's a three-storey high um, office block, and that's where we're housing people. The politics of it I don't know but what I do know is that they have stud walls to separate them there's one room per family so you could have a family of four or five or one person and they're all shoved in there and I don't know how you change that the system's busted the country's broken um, we seem to have more problems than solutions so I don't know what you do to fix that practical situation but I do know how wonderful it would be if they knew Jesus Christ if they knew the freedom in their soul and their spirit, how wonderful it would be if they could get their guitar out and worship God, even in that cramped one bed flat, one bed room in an office block. I can't tell you how um, awful I find it. I find it absolutely tragic. What do the kids do time? You've driven down there as much as I have. There's lorries and vans, there's nowhere to play. I don't even know what they do with themselves. It's dangerous. There are people in there that have got serious problems and addictions who probably shouldn't be uh, housed in the same area. But the freedom in Christ can bring good news even there. We might not be able to change their physical state, but we can change their emotional and their spiritual state. And freedom in Christ is dynamic like that. Last week, we spoke of how um, culture and our past can rob us of that sense of freedom. Sorry, I've got to go back to the the flat, sorry. Um, I want to say one thing, because the reason the gospel is good news is because you know how wonderful it would be to say to people there, if you make Christ your saviour, John 14 says that in my father's house are many rooms. How wonderful it is, would be to be able to say to those people, if you know Jesus, you go on the Almighty's housing list. And it's not a lottery. It doesn't matter how many points you have or don't have, or what your personal situation is. God's got a, a place for you. And it's not just a room to cram your family in. It's a mansion, and there's space, and it's beautiful. What a wonderful thing to be able to say. No one else can speak like that to people in that situation except God's people. So we must preach the gospel. I'll move on. Anyway, um, so we talked about that, how a past and our culture can rob us. But there's another aspect of life that can rob us of that sense of freedom in Christ. Uh, we can be conditioned, we said last week, to, to feel captive um, but today I want to talk about how things can build up in our lives, that they can have a hold on us, that you can develop things in you that just sort of have a, a, become a stronghold in your character or in your emotional state uh, or somewhere within you. It just seems to hold you in one place like that. And you have that stronghold and, and you can't, kind of, can't move forward. Um, I was just thinking, how possibly can I uh, illustrate it? A stronghold is something that in your life appears to have unlimited power. To stop you moving forward and make you feel trapped and stuck where you are as a human being. And I want to explain, uh, illustrate the power of a stronghold. And Andy's going to come up. And, uh, and a dream is about to come true. Because I'm going to handcuff myself to Andy. And uh, um, I want to, go to the right hand yeah, Yeah. yeah. No, no, just one. I hope you want you to do this, actually. really hurts so i did that wrong i think anyway so andy is going to represent a past hurt so something happened to me when i was a child and it's there it's there in the background it's there in the background i'm living with it and you know know it's like i get used to i've got used to it it always being there and it's just tugging on me from time to time and i want to do something in my life but it won't let me it keeps pulling me back to that thing that happened and i'm trying to and it hurts so I ignore it. And I kind of bandage it up a bit, but I ignore it. That stronghold, but it's got me. I can't get rid of it. It's uncooperative. It will not do what I want it to do. I want to go over here, but it will not. For the life of me, let me go forward. Can someone let us out? <laughs> I need a savior, actually. Natasha? <laughs> very slowly. Oh thank you. That feels like that sort of thing you should do. That does hurt actually. Thanks Eddie Phew That's a relief, isn't it? Um, but when we talk about strongholds in our life, it's that kind of thing, isn't it? And in fact, we show people this side. We show people this bit, the smiley face, but not that bit that's dragging us over there. And so that robs us of that sense of freedom because I'm never truly free because I'm always being anchored to something wrong. And I wonder this morning if there's anything that's holding you back. What stronghold is in yours or my life? Maybe you've noticed that same feeling of being just pulled back every time you think you've made a bit of progress. Or it whispers those lies Andy was trying to do into into your ear that just says, you're rubbish, useless. Maybe it's a hurt from the past. Maybe it's a sense of guilt. Maybe you've done something you feel ashamed of. Maybe it's anger. Maybe you're just a very angry person. And that's just how you react to everything now. You don't even know where it came from, how you got this thing. But there's a stronghold in your life, and you cannot react differently except stroppy and anger. Maybe it's bitterness. Maybe it's a sense of pride. Maybe you think too highly of yourself. Maybe it's envy. Maybe you spend too much time wasting your time wondering why you haven't got what they've got or the opportunities they've got and you see everything through that lens. Maybe it's sexual immorality. We watched that video about pornography last week and we say again, if that's an issue for you, please, I'm very happy to chat with you and help and I promise not to judge. I promise not to judge. But there's those issues as well. Maybe it's simply laziness. Maybe over the years you've got so used to just not doing anything very good that you just sit there and do nothing. And you can't be bothered to let go of it. In fact, you get used to it. It's a bit of company, perhaps. Or maybe it's fear. So what causes these strongholds in our lives? There are many reasons. But I just want to focus very briefly on three three things. The first is environment. Uh, I think where you grow up, the kind of area from, the kind of background you're from, um, can affect you and can help you build up unhelpful strongholds. A really silly example you know, often defined by where we grew up, aren't we? I'm from Essex. I'm an Essex boy. I'm actually proud of it, actually. That's become a good thing. Um, I love it. People say, where are you from? Essex. And then I go, ooh. But I've travelled quite a lot of the world. Well, it's not a lot, but it, it, uh, quite a lot around the world. And do you know what? Everywhere I go, when I tell people I'm from Essex, doesn't matter who they are. They can be Korean, they can be American, they can be from the Philippines, anywhere. South Africans, they're the worst, I'm oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> not really, they're the best, they're the best. Um, sorry. Without fail, oh, Essex, ha <laughs> ha. Have you got white socks on? And have you got a Ford Escort or a Capri? Heavens. Anyway, Essex is a great, a great um, county. You can go, one end you can get beaten up, and the other end you can go to the beach. It's lovely. Anyway, but your, where you grow up can define you, can't it? And I don't care. I'm quite proud of being domestic, actually. But a lot of people feel a bit ashamed from the wrong side of the tracks, maybe. And it can build up this stronghold in your life. Your ethnicity, maybe class. Class is a terrible thing. There's no such thing as class, by the way. Upper, middle, and lower class. No such thing. What there is is power, privilege. Power and privilege and the abuse of those two things. That's all there is. That's what class is. It's not anything else. But we have these things. And if you feel like you're not in the right class, you can feel like you've got this terrible sense of a lack of self-worth. And you can already tell yourself as a child, I'm never going to make it. Never going to do anything good. Gender as well. Look how we've ruined gender in the Western world. We've, on the hand, we say there's no gender, and then we're trying to redress the balance over here, and we get it wrong at every turn. God made them male and female. I made them equal. That's the best place to start, by the way. But that can put people on a back foot, and give people um, real tough emotions. Or maybe you just grew up in a home where people didn't share their love for each other, where emotions were kept in the top drawer, where no one said, I love you, or no one said, I'm sorry, or no one cuddled when they did it wrong. Maybe it's all those things. Our environment can give us strongholds. A traumatic experience can give us strongholds. And I'm not going to list uh, potential traumatic experiences because that wouldn't be nice. That wouldn't be right of me. But you already know. But the after- aftermath of things done to us or that happened to us can redefine us. They can give us baggage. They can be triggered again at events that are minor. Something that could have happened to you as a child and then as an adult or even someone older in your 80s. Something really minor can happen but it triggers all those feelings from when you were young because you've not dealt with it. And it's remained attached to you all those years. You can have issues of self-loathing and self-esteem and distrust and a bunker mentality. I'm going to build a wall and keep everybody out. Everyone has a go at Donald Trump about building walls. I'm not a fan. But we are all experts at building walls. One person hurt me, so no one's getting close ever again. Such a mistake. It is such a mistake. And the third thing that can build up strongholds is temptations as well. We watched that video last week and how that poor young man, that issue of sexual immorality, of pornography, porn addiction, became a real stronghold in his life until jesus set him free mistakes that we make can help us feel that we have a lack of self-worth we can feel shamed and embarrassed that we can feel unworthy when we've given in to temptation that we are unworthy for happiness and contentment i'll tell you a story as a woman in my previous church called violet flanagan i guess she's probably passed away now she was quite old when i knew her and she was hard work she was a bitter twisted little old lady bless her I quite liked her um but what happened to her was she was engaged to be married, and he broke it off. He let her down and broke her heart, understandably. But she carried that for 60 years or 50 years, whatever it was. And I remember once, his name was Trevor. I called up Trevor from church and her to do a reading together, and it almost broke her in two. Why did you choose Trevor and me? Oh, why was that? She thought it was some cosmic um, contradiction going on. And I said, I just chose Trevor because it's Trevor. And, uh, but it coloured everything that happened she was grumpy with people she shouted at people because that being let down coloured her entire life it's important to note that when we have a stronghold in our life they take time sometimes to be demolished sometimes we have a wrong view of Christianity we think well I've become a Christian Lord why am I not perfect why am I not totally happy why is everything not fixed the day after but unfortunately it doesn't always work that way does it God I think sometimes takes his time God knows the speed of which to chip away at the things that cause us pain. But take heart, one Philippians chapter one verses three to six, Paul writes this love letter to the Church of Philippi, says I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion into the day of Christ Jesus. Be of good cheer. It may be that the chains won't fully fall off until you walk through the pearly gates. The final sound you might hear as you enter heaven might be, as the last one falls off. But God will do it. God will finish recreating. He will finish chipping away. Some strongholds take longer than others. But be patient in affliction, as the Bible says. Be patient in affliction. God is faithful to his people and he will finish in the end i promise i want to play a video um it's 10 minutes so i'm pushing the boundaries of video playing and sermons there's a lot of good things in there i thought there's a lot to think about and ponder and he was brave in the video a brave man that let god be god and maybe this morning the time is for you to let god be god Maybe it's time to say, Lord, I'm going to let go of those things. It's time you had them. And actually, be brave. Be brave. You won't regret it. It will hurt, but you won't regret it. I want to read just a a few verses from Romans chapter 12. Because um, just as I finish, I want to just, um, just flag one thing up. Because to demolish a stronghold, I think, takes two things. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy... To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. But verse 2 again, do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The interesting thing about that word renewing in verse 2 of Romans 12 is obviously a Greek word and it's used only twice in the New Testament. The first time is in Romans chapter 12 where Paul says, don't conform to the pattern of this world. But in Titus chapter 3 verse 5, it's used again where we read this saying of God, he saved us not because of righteous things we had done but because of his mercy he saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit. So that same word of renewal is used twice. One time it's used in conjunction with what we must change. And the second time in Titus it's used in conjunction with the power and the transformative work of the Holy Spirit from the inside out. And so really what I want to say as we come to the end and we have a, a, a sing a few songs together is just to say that it, to break those strongholds you need to do two things. You need to let go and let God. You need to be honest with God. You need to sit in God's presence and say, Lord, this is what I struggle with. This is who I am. This is how I feel about myself. This is the things I've done. These are things I've hung on to for too long. Lord, let me break free. You've got to sometimes come for prayer on a Sunday morning. You must. You've got to be brave enough to say, I'm going to come and I'm going to be prayed for with someone. And I'm, you may even choose to share with that person what that issue is, confidentially, of course. You've got to be in place of God's presence and allow him to move. follow those prompts. I believe the more open you are to the spirit of God, the more God will prompt you to do and say and go to certain places for that healing and that sense of transformation. So it's a work of God from the inside out, but as well, demolishing strongholds is a daily decision on our part. Paul says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Some uh, verses are going to appear and some words on the screen. They can all go up, actually. Um, But let me read from verse 3 to verse 20. Um, It doesn't take very long. But each, as Paul makes that statement, be renewed, don't be conformed anymore to the pattern of this world. From verse 3, it's almost like he applies it, challenging his readers in Rome to think and act differently. And I'll read it to you. And these are, you can put them all up if that's all right. um, And as as I hit various verses, Hopefully some of that will make it a bit of sense. He says for by the grace given me I say to every one of you do not think of yourself more highly than you ought but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each one of you. You notice he doesn't say hate yourself. He doesn't say be self-deprecating. He says think of yourself with sober judgment not too highly and say hate yourself. But don't say oh I'm a stammer idiot. Must never say that. Must never, ever say that. He goes on. For just as each one of us is one body with many members, and these members do not, uh, do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. To break a stronghold, not only have you not got to think badly of yourself, you've got to know your place in the kingdom of God. for so there is a space in God's family for every single person who follows Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter whether you consider yourself giftless or worthless. God has a space for every single one of us in his family. Then we go on, verse 6. We all have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is in prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is in serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, then do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Paul speaks of using different gifts. We spend so much time using gifts designed to keep our stronghold locked away at bay. But Paul says, why don't you use your energy to serve God with joy? Focus on serving the king rather than serving your stronghold. Verse 9. I lose my place. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. To break a stronghold, we must stop excusing the fact that we have it. We must start hating it. We must start being unhappy with it. We must stop saying, "Oh, it's just the way I am. That's the way I've been brought up. That's because of my background. That's just who. That's just me. I'm a bit grumpy, or I'm a bit angry, or I'm someone who struggles to say sorry." Hate that. Don't excuse it. Don't live with it. Don't carry it with you. Be determined to hate it and root it out. Verse 10, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Be others-centered. Be other-person-focused, not self-focused. When you have a stronghold, it tends to make us self-centered, self-focused, because all we can think of is that thing that keeps shouting us and holding us back. Well, start ignoring it. Start thinking of other people. Start serving others. And there's great freedom in doing that. I really believe that. It says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Make sure prayer is at the center of everything you do. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and don't curse. In other words, start responding differently when things happen. Don't fight fire with fire or shame with shame. Fight fire with water. Fight brokenness for the healing words of God. Then verse 17 to 19, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible and as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on your head. I think freedom is possible. I believe freedom is possible. But I believe freedom isn't done to us. I believe God works in us, but we have to make a decision as well. Verse 21 of Romans 12, Paul ends by saying, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So there are two things that you must do this morning if you have a stronghold on your life. The first is you've got to be determined to let God work. And it will hurt and it will be painful. You may feel all sorts of emotions, but let him. Because he who began a good work will be faithful to complete it. But the second thing is you've got to start thinking differently. Start standing on the truths of God. Stop responding the way you've always responded. Start being determined to live differently. God is near to his people. We're going to pray. Um, and then we're just going to sing... I song a couple of songs and we we'll gave a time of communion together. But let me pray. Let me pray for you, uh, each one of us in this room. And as we just shut our eyes, let's just have a moment of real honesty with God. Maybe you don't come regularly and maybe you're thinking, oh, I wasn't prepared to think about that this morning, but maybe there's a reason you've come this week. Or maybe you've been in excite and you've missed a, a couple of talks and you're thinking, oh, I wish I'd missed this one because I don't want to think about that. Or maybe you feel a sense of embarrassment because already things are coming back and we're all thinking, well, I've done such a good job of not thinking of that. See it as a poison that shouldn't be there. See it as something God is yet to shine his light into. And let's be honest with God now and just say, Lord, work, please. Father God, I pray for every heart in this room. Every single person, myself included. Lord, we all have strongholds. We all have things, Lord, that rob us of that complete freedom in Christ that's on offer. Father God, I pray for every single life, every single soul in this room, and those, Lord, who are next door as well. We pray, Father God, for the freedom in Christ to flow this morning. Father God, I pray that you'd begin something, Lord, in people's hearts. Lord, you don't wave a magic wand and everything's hunky dory, but you do begin a process. And Lord, it is painful, it is difficult. But, Lord, I believe through the power of your spirit and our proactive thinking differently, Lord, I believe there can be real breakthrough in every person's life. I pray, Lord, that you would give us good friends. May we bear with each other. May we pray for each other. May we be honest with each other. And, Lord, bring freedom in this place, I pray, in Jesus' name.